Welcome to another episode of Footnotes. Today, we're talking to Raish and Jess, and they make jam. They have a business together. They're best friends. They live on the same street, and they've taken a lot of twists and turns together. And you get to hear their story next on Footnotes. And I also want to thank our friends at the Boyd Innovation Center and GroCo here in Five Points in Columbia for allowing us to shoot this episode here. We could not have done it without them. Thank you so much. Thank you for being here on this episode of Footnotes. And we're here with Raish Mahadkar, who is the CEO and chef at uh, Soccer Jams, and Jess Henry, who is the president and chef of the same company. Um, this is going to be an interesting episode, and because I, I think you're you're one of the first people that we've talked to that that makes a food product. Oh, and you know when you think about food, it's something that you know we it's part of our everyday lives. Mm-hmm. And it's certainly part of part of your lives and something that, you know, when we had our conversation before this conversation to, to set this up, you know, you guys have an interesting history together. And so I think like all good stories, why don't we just start somewhat at the beginning, maybe before soccer existed, what were you guys doing? How, how do you guys know each other? Uh, we're neighbors. Yeah, we actually live on the same street. I'm on one end and she's about five houses up on the other end. <laughs> the darkest house on the block. <laughs> And um, really, we, we kind of knew of each other. We're, we're both Jewish, so we kind of heard about each other and been told about each other. And um, when she had her youngest daughter, I made a meal for her and brought mm-hmm. it over. Oh, the best, the best, the matzo ball soup and challah. It's the best challah in town. And um, I'm a food snob, so I'm like, what, what is this? I make my own matzo ball soup. I'd never attempted challah, so you had my heart the minute you walked in. (laughs) She was pregnant, and (laughs) she showed up, and it was so, well, no, you were pregnant, right? Yeah, Yeah, I was. Yeah, and I think we connected through food. We connected through Jewish food, and and it was a very pivotal time for me because I didn't really have a lot of friends Mm. uh, because I'd moved from New York City, and I'd moved with the three-month-old, and um, it had been several years that we were on the same street before we really met. Yeah. So prior to the business starting, we had been friends now for five years already. Yeah. Um, she had seen me through a lot of my failures, which was a Nestle Toll House Cafe. I built a store from the ground up in Columbiana Center Mall, mm. and that failed miserably for three years. And she was so helpful. She actually helped watch my youngest daughter babysat her without, yeah. like, without like wanting anything in return. Nope. <laughs> I just, I also had a young child. I just knew how hard it is when you have like a young baby and she had to return to work after being at home and work in this toll house. And so, yeah, I took care of her youngest daughter for several months. Yeah, that was, that was very challenging. And you were there for me. And that was when I realized, oh, I have a gem of a person in my life. And that really strengthened our, our bond. And then, and then you told me, I'm moving. <laughs> and you, you broke my heart. <laughs> yeah, she, she's referring to um, my now ex-husband um, had opened a store in Charleston. And um, I did not want to move, but that was something I had to do. So we ended up in Charleston for two years. And um, when that marriage ended, um, I knew that I wanted to come back to Columbia. We luckily hadn't sold our house. We had rented it out while we were gone. And um, I knew I wanted to come back to Columbia and have support and, you know, be with my best friend who I knew would like, yeah. is that person for me that 
So, yeah. yeah. So it wasn't really soccer that was like, um, soccer was like, I knew that I could do something with Jessica because we had a strong connection yeah, and a friendship, a foundation of a relationship that I knew we could build on. So it wasn't like I just picked, you know, a, an acquaintance to kind of like, oh, we have a friendship. Let's do this together. We are talented. It's like, no, you have been there for me for through X, Y, and Z. And Nestle opening and shutting down was a very difficult time in my life, those three mm. years. Because I had my daughter and she was a NICU baby. She was born at 32 weeks. And my husband at that, you know, was just working around the clock. Um, and there was just no support. There was no grandparents or anything like that. My parents don't live here. Um, and and she didn't really have a lot of support. So we were just kind of each other's people. Yeah. So it just made sense in the pandemic to kind of form a tribe mm-hmm. um, and raise the kids together, you know, because we, um, we didn't really know what else to do. Yeah. You know, like we we needed to do something with ourselves. Like, yeah, I, I had a different job. I moved into um, uh, education. So I'm a jack of all trades. I've done a million things besides food. So I have a lot of different qualifications to actually run soccer. And um, so I've been in, in logistics. I've been in furniture. I've been education, food, the metals industry, and, and all like just knowing how to deal with people. Um, and uh, I was I was at Harmony School for two and a half years, three years. Um, and the pandemic hit and um, I just decided that it was time for me to leave. That was a, that was a difficult story for me. Mm-hmm. And leaving and parting with young kids, like I love children so much, was really hard. And I quit that job. And then she came back on the street mm-hmm. with her kids. And um, and I was miserable. You know the story. I think I was yeah. sharing with you. Yeah. Uh, you know, there's so many stories out there that include the pandemic, as yeah. either the yeah. start of a chapter or the end of a chapter. And you know, it, it is it's going to be a marker in all of our mm-hmm. all of our lives. So you had this friendship. Some distance was created through circumstances. Mm-hmm. Then you know you came back together. The friendship was intact, mm-hmm. very yeah. much so. But then you added the element of. <laughs> business partners. Yeah, what were we thinking? <laughs> and, you know, I mean, frankly, I think there's a lot of advice out there that would say you need to separate those things. Mm-hmm. Oh, we know. What do you say to that? This is what I'll say to that, that adding business partner to friendship was probably one of the most difficult things that we have done. It mm-hmm. really was. Um, we are both in individual therapy. Yeah. And the level of communication that Raish and I now have is probably beyond any other relationship I've ever had with someone because there was quite a bit of arguing in that first year that we were together as business partners because you're adding on, it's just a whole nother level of responsibility and figuring out this is our friendship and this is business and how to merge those two things. And the children, I mean, the children. So you're coming back through this divorce and you're integrating the kids back into a different Mm -hmm. life. So we have motherhood, which is separate. You're feeding the kids, you're raising the kids. The kids are now coming to my house and spending time and they're they're her kids and they're just like, I just, you know, the the stability, they need stability because they were in Charleston and they come back to Columbia and now they're at my house. Now we're having a business and mom, moms are working all the time. 
Um, it put a lot of pressure and strain on our relationship, but I was already in therapy prior to starting soccer. And I call soccer like a little, it's a, it's a flame that we want to protect. Mm. So it's, it's very precious and there is no, this is going to dissolve. There's only like, we're going to work through whatever we need to, to have to protect this flame because that flame can now lead to jobs. And it can lead to like, we hear so much about how wonderful our jams are and what a like gift they are to other people's like joy and, 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 and the pleasure that they have from like knowing our story and experiencing our friendship and in a way that's relatable. And yeah, I mean, we argue about things like you didn't squish the blueberries too much. So, so (laughs) like little tiny arguments. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I have walked out of the kitchen and I have sat outside just weeping, crying because I feel like she doesn't hear me. She doesn't understand or she messes something up that I feel like because I've had so much real world experience is what I call it because I've been working since I was 16. Whereas Jessica has been home for 10 years of that time. So your experience is a little different. And I come at it with like, this is what this is how a CEO would think. This is why I say this to you often. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I think, yeah, I think I'm very much. um, Sorry, I'm just thinking about a a friend of mine. Anyway, go ahead. I think that I'm more of a, um, I'm very task-minded, I would say. I'm a little bit of a workhorse, kind of. I'm like, this is my task, and this is what I'm going to do. And um, Raish is more of a big picture Is how I would say it, where I think I can be a little bit more focused on this is what's right in front of us. And Rachel's like, this is how this fits into the bigger picture. And so, um, yeah, I was I was at home for 10 years. I wasn't in the workforce. I'd had lots of experience before that. But, you know, coming back into, okay, now I'm in work mode and learning to... um, I think more when she says this is how a CEO would work, (laughs) it's more about how you... Work through your day, prioritizing how to prioritize tasks. Mm-hmm. Because in my mind, I see all the tasks, and they're just bloop 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 bloop. And she sees it, and she's like, blah, a filing blah, cabinet, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. filing cabinet. Yeah. So just different ways to get your mind to work as you. I know you, that's not what you asked, but that's literally how it just kind of goes right yeah. into like the conflict and how that shapes. Um, I feel like we're creating a blueprint for soccer, the future of soccer, right? So, like, if we are doing tasks that are like, so she does the shipping and she rolls the bubble wrap in a certain way. And I'm like, this this is not right. And she's like, what do you mean? And I'm like, if you have to teach this to somebody, because we're going to have a warehouse full of people who are going to be doing this, how is that going to translate to people learning? So I get her to think about her small actions because I want her to take over the entire operations one day and to be able to teach people how to do those menial tasks and that. Yeah. 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 Part of that, part of that scaling. Yeah. Well, so, I mean, talking about scaling and, and the business, I mean, let's talk about jam. Um, Fun. <laughs> you know, you started out talking about, you know, this meal that was brought over and yeah. just what a, what a, what a great gift and, and blessing that was to you at that particular time. And when we all know food to be more than just nourishment, I mean, mm-hmm. it's something that, brings people together and it's just it is part of our of our lives um how did you land on jam as the the product that you were going to build a business around well um i have a rich history with fruit myself 
personally. So um, I grew up in Mumbai and um, I came to this country when I was 12, 1992, February. Um, and, and I grew up fairly poor, but we always had a meal. I mean, my dad worked around the clock and so did my mom. We always had a meal. But in between those times where dad was out and mom was out and earning a living, I was, I was hungry. We were snacking and I would just steal fruits. <laughs> steal fruits. Guavas were my favorite. My friends would egg me on because they wanted guavas too. I mean, like, India is rich with fruit because it's mm. a tropical country. Um, guavas, pomegranates, um, tamarinds were my favorite too. Um, bananas, I would eat. I wouldn't steal those. They were just around everywhere. And they're growing everywhere, and I would steal them and I would eat them. And we had a lemon lime tree outside too, and so it's just kind of. I would even steal nectar from buttercups and drink that. So like, flowers were a part of rose petals. I would eat those too. Mm. They were just out, you know. Um, but preservation wasn't really a thing. So in this country, when I came to the U.S., Jam was just like, "Wow, you," because there's winters here, so you want to preserve the, right. you know, you want to preserve it and you want to have something through the winters. And um, so I bought a book of jam making. I'm like, "This seems cool. I want to know what I can do with fruit." <laughs> and when I was a deeply sad person after leaving my job, there were a lot of external factors going through my mind. Uh, my therapist told me to find a coping mechanism. And I opened up my jam book, and that's where a pandemic baby, and I was just like, okay, I'm going to try to have my hand at this. And I know I'm a wonderful chef, and I've been cooking forever and a day. And I'm like, I can do this. And I did do it. Um, and my therapist also told me to dump my liquor out because I was going down a path that was not, that was self-destructive mm. with the alcohol. I come from a line of alcoholics, so it was really easy to see that this is where I would end up. Um, and I didn't want that for myself. And Jess was just struggling on her own at that point. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to take fruit because there's so much fruit in South Carolina. I'm going to take strawberries because I picked it and it's a pandemic activity I can do. I'm going to dump Prosecco in it. And people lost their mind, like on my personal Instagram. And I just could not keep it. I was just giving it away. I love giving fruit away. I actually cook a lot. I make a lot of cupcakes. I bake a lot. And I would just, I just love giving I think food is just such a wonderful way to connect with people. And jam is very nostalgic in the United States. Everybody has, 90% of the people that I've met have some kind of story about <laughs> their grandmother's preserves, yeah. you know. Yeah. Um, and then Jess, I'll let you, you know, you have a, a different history with canning and... Um, well, I, I grew up with canning and, you know, as a child... Um, my I, grandparents, my great grandmother, I remember like going down into her basement and pulling out pickled beets and just different things that she had canned. And I have memories of hitting cherries with my mom when I was a kid. So I had grown up with canning as just something you did every year. And um, I had made jam before. And so when she's like, oh, I'm making jam and I can't keep up with it. And I think we could have a business. <laughs> I was like, oh, well, I've done this. I, I kind of know what we're doing here. And, um, you know, at the time when she came to me with this, it was coming back from being out of the work business. I had three young kids. It's the middle of the pandemic. And suddenly I'm a single parent. And, you know, I'm thinking, what can I do? Am I, I had considered becoming a teacher. And then I'm like, well, it's the pandemic. What, what am I going to do with my children yeah. who are 
five, seven, and nine at the time. And how are we going to make this work? And so when she came to me with the idea of the jam, I was like, this is great. We can pick fruit. We can make this. We can, this will work. You took a big risk. I feel like you took a leap mm -hmm. of faith. And I just, I don't even know. We get asked that a lot, actually. Why jam? Um, and it, I, I, all, my answer is it would be foolish not to. We're in an agribusiness. Yeah. South Carolina is actually fantastic. Um, from an agribusiness perspective, it would, I, I financially also it would be silly not to. We, we knew we had something very precious because, you know, they, in business, they talk about what need are you fulfilling mm -hmm. out there, you know, and we are in jam country. There's jam everywhere. What, what, what makes it so different? And it's really bougie jam is what I say. Yeah. You know, there is no strawberry Prosecco out there. There is no brown sugar peach bourbon in the, West there is. If you go out to California, you go out to Montana, you go out to New York, people are doing this. People are not doing this here. Mm -hmm. oh, farms are doing it, and that's wonderful. Um, but as a CPG brand, there isn't anybody who is. A lot of times we get asked, do you have your own farm? Like, no, we don't. That's the purpose of it is to actually make connections with different farmers and see what they're growing in this rich soil that we have. And the Department of Ag is really, there's a big push from the commissioner uh, you know, he weathers mm -hmm. and, um, and the Department of Ag to actually push the certified SC product and to bring like the produce, South Carolina produce front and center. So I, I just kind of was like, jam just seems like a thing. It's kind of easy to make. Um, I say that because we're made so much. You make it. I don't even make it anymore. <laughs> I, I don't even make it. How easy is it? How <laughs> easy is it, Jess? <laughs> well, I'd say after lots of practice, I think I have it down. Um, I will say, um, I tell people, I'm like, I, in the beginning, I burned quite a bit of jam and I'll have friends, they'll be like, this didn't turn out. And I'm like, yeah, it's, it's very simple, but sometimes it's not. You go, hey, remember the peach caramel, the peach, the <laughs> Yeah. So here's a funny story about in the beginning, when we first started at home, I, we had made a peach jam and overcooked it. And we called it caramelized <laughs> peach jam. And we had people we that loved it. it. We sold it and people we loved it. They were like, it's so good. And we were like, yes. yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, we have ruined, we have ruined jam like severely. Like this is not, we've it's done been it. A, it's been a long time since I uh, messed up yeah. the jam. So, so you know, you, this is, this is a, I mean, this is a story. You know, and it's got all these twists and turns and, and these different intersections that seem to not be related, and yet they've just been sort of tied together. Where's the business now? Um, you know, I mean, you guys are, <clears throat> we sort of make a distinction kind of in my day job. You know, you have entrepreneurs, and those are people that are kind of starting out. And I think the origin of that word is, is, is it's a French word, and it means actually to put capital at risk. That's all it means. It doesn't mean yeah. to start anything. It doesn't mean to you know, come up with an idea it means to put capital at risk. You've done that. Yeah. Now you own a business. You're a business owner. You have expenses to track. You have <laughs> orders to fulfill. You right. have receivables to, you have to get paid for your, for your work, you know, um, and you're, you're selling it at, at scale. It's not just gifts to friends and family and things like that. Take us to 
where you are now in the business, now that it is a business? Because I think a lot of people that listen to this, there are entrepreneurs that are listening that are starting. They're putting mm -hmm. some things at risk. It might be their right. own money. It's certainly their own time. Mm -hmm. It can be yeah. relationships. It's, it's like all of the above that are being put at risk for this thing. Talk about the other side of that, about being a business owner. Gosh, do you want to do you want to start that? Because I have lots of thoughts, but I'll let you start first. <laughs> um, I'm trying to think of what I would say now that like I'm trying to think of what point we're we're getting to here, like what it's like when you're actually have gone through all the steps, and you can say I have a legitimate business now. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, and where we're going, or it's not a small business, right? Like we try to our friends in the industry tell us you're not a small business. I mean, you are a small business, but we are, where, where I believe we are right now is in the discovery phase. Hmm. Um, and we are uh, working on scaling. So that is a very pivotal point. I, It's the first three years are gonna mark your, I don't know, build your foundation. If you're making money after the first three years, you've got something viable, you've got something, mm -hmm going for you. And we track, I mean, I am, I am big on making sure the financial health of our business is doing good because this is great. It brings me joy, um, a lot of happiness and doing what I love, but is it making me money? And I have to look at it like that because if I don't, then I'm just wasting our time at the end of the day and I could just make it a hobby and finish that up. And there's, there's different aspects of it, right? So you got to market your jam in a certain way. It's fine that it looks, it's delicious, it's good, but what does your branding look like? What is your story? These days, people want to connect with the, the, the people behind the product and they are investing in your story, which is why this is so important. Um, and then on top of that, they like what you're doing. So are you intentional? Are you, um, does your brand look good? Do you have a wonderful story? And which direction do you want to go into? And so soccer has a lot of different avenues that it can generate revenue. And we have to make sure that we kind of weed the rest of it out and kind of follow our, our little bit of a plan that we have. So we are in the discovery phase. So we want to make sure that the right people, the right values discover us and it brings in business and that we continue to scale in a way that Jess and I can keep up and we're not overloaded all the while making money. I think that that's an that's important aspect of where we are right now. Mm -hmm. um, I think that we've been very intentional yes. with how we have grown the business. It's, uh, it's always been, what's the next step we need to take? Can we manage that step? Once we've conquered that step, then we say, okay, what's the next step? thing to do. And that's always, you know, where we are now is how do we take the next step and not overextend ourselves so that our business remains viable and vibrant and we're able to meet the commitments we've made. Because I think that this is a part where... Um, it gets a this, little choppy. Scaling yeah. is always hard. I will, yeah. I will always say that scaling is always hard. <laughs> it's so hard. Um, and it isn't without a lot of self-doubt that we push through. It's actually, I have a plan to be honest with you, I do. I have a five-year plan. I'm applying for grants, I'm staying up late. I um, believe in the growth of our business. I'm reaching out to customers that um, I'm not reaching out to like heist, like I'm not going out to Whole Foods and saying, hey, 
let's do business because I'm not there. Mm. But I will reach out to boutique stores and say, I can supply 40, 50 jars in one or two months. And we're just kind of putting one leg in front of the other. But I do have a set of goals. And that is what I will tell folks out there who are entrepreneurs, who are trying to, you know, do something is to make a list of small goals because that's going to get you to the bigger picture of what you're looking for. Mm -hmm. And the bigger picture is, you know, I'd like to be a multi-million dollar company one day and I'm going to dream big. And I bring her along with me. I'm like, yeah, we can do this. We can do this. And um, and we try to reach out for several opportunities that we can that are, that are bigger than who we are, but in the same space. So I like to go linear. This is how I look at our business. Um, collaborations is a great way to go linear. And then you kind of like take... What is a collaboration? What does that look like? Or uh, what has that looked like for you um, collaboration has been such an important part of our success, truly. I can name every single chef that has helped us, lift us up in Colombia um, and beyond. So when you collaborate with linearly um, with other businesses that are successful, thriving and share your values, you kind of come together and get your name out there. That's a great way to do it. So we offer our jam. It's a Silver Spoon Bake Shop. They're absolutely phenomenal. They're on Divine Street right here. Mm -hmm. Love them. Um, Erin Noble took a chance on us. Um, and she bought our jam. This was like so like, like what a <laughs> wonderful thing to happen. She bought our jam and she posted about it, right? On her Instagram following out of the blue. And she posted her, her biscuits and the strawberry Prosecco. And she's like, this is going to go great. People were like, wow, we found so many new customers through this. And then I got in touch with Erin. And I remember that was my first real, like, real email. Um, I was so scared. I was like, Erin, um, can you please put our jam in your macarons? I will give you the jam. Put it in your macarons. Your customers will love it. You know, bump up the price. You know, I know we're expensive. And I mean, I, I did a really professional job because obviously she... She, she made, she did a collaboration and I'm a photographer as well. So I've had a successful photography business and I've always wanted to be a food photographer. So we kind of collaborated. She gave me the, the max. I sliced them in half and I stacked them and I took a fabulous photo and then we put it on Instagram and people are like, what? Uh, we like making things like a little, like you will not be able to find this if you don't buy this right now, like a limited run. And sure. we do that with our jams too. So we kind of came together, we collaborated together on a new product and and people get excited about it. They're like, this is something we can only find in our community, in our town. Mm -hmm. Then we did this again with Warmouth with a cocktail. We did it again with Sweet Cream. They took a chance on us with a Rangpur Lime Marmalade. Ever heard of a Rangpur Lime? We can talk about that for hours, you know. Um, that went fabulously. Il Giorgione, fantastic. You can find a prosciutto sandwich with our fake jam in it or a panna cotta with our strawberry prosecco. So it's just been really nice to kind of talk to different folks and get our name out there. Yeah. yeah, well, I mean, I think what you do with a collaboration is you you elevate each other. It's a way yeah. for two people to come together and, you know, I we get messages, oh, I saw you on the menu. Yeah. And then we can say to people, hey, you can find us here. Mm -hmm. yeah. And it's a way, like, two business owners can come together and say, together, we're going to make it something together and it will elevate both of your businesses. Yeah. I think that's an important point. I mean, maybe a footnote in that, you know, we we get told these things that, you know, business is not really a zero-sum game, that there's yeah. enough out there really, really for everybody. And, and yet, 
everyone sort of, or a lot of people seem to put themselves in that prisoner's dilemma where they're like, I'm going to, I'm going to just take what I know I'm mm. going to get. Yeah. But, I mean, this is proof positive again, that, you know, when, when you have something and, and you do need to maybe borrow some credibility from, yep, yep, from an established thing Absolutely. And, and you make that relationship and you put it together, like you can get the win-win. Mm-hmm. You know, yes. It doesn't mean that, you know, you know, someone's on the top podium and someone's just below that. You can, you can kind of be together. Yep. Um, Something else that, that we talked about um, previously, and of course, both of you mentioned this in you know, your roles as mothers. <clears throat> mm-hmm. You were mothers before the business. Uh, you're definitely still mothers with the business. <laughs> yes. um, talk to us about, talk to you, what is that like? And, and where do you, I mean, the children are not just a part of your life. I mean, they're in your life. Yeah. You know, it's not like you probably section that out. Right. So what does that look like when it's sort of swirled together with this, how you spend your time, especially, I mean, in the pandemic days when home became a school, in your case, it became a a business, a commercial kitchen. (laughs) Not in DHEC sense, (laughs) but you know, it's it's like, it was, you were just doing a lot of different things all in the same place. Um, Share with us. I guess I can speak a little, I can start off. um, I think for, my children in particular, they had had a mother who was only in the home. They, I had been home. They, they see me out mowing the lawn. I'm painting the walls. I'm cooking them dinner. And they never seen me in a work role. So there, there's been a transition of, um, you know, I'm working. And to see how... I have now transitioned into, okay, I have to do this for work and then still making sure that they feel like they have time with their mom, that I set aside time for them. Well, let's talk about your day a little bit, right? Like you wake up at like six o'clock in the morning and you get the kids ready for school. Breakfast is done. I mean, you have littles, right? So you have like, you have like an eight-year-old. Yeah. Uh, a 10-year-old and a 12-year-old. So they're still at the pivotal point of their lives. She's yeah. doing all yeah. of this stuff. And then I'm calling her at like nine o'clock. Like I drop off the elder kids to middle school. She drops off the younger kids to elementary school. They were all neighborhood. We can walk to the schools. Mm. And when they're done and they're dropped off to school, we, we come back and, and then we're having a little coffee talk and we're going through the day. Planning what we have to do yeah, for the day. But all that comes to an end at two. Because then we have to go back and pick them up. We have to sit in line and we have to grab them. And I make dinner for our family of eight in the morning because we work at night. So we go to the kitchen at night. So this is like an ever-evolving day. And then we come back at 10 o'clock at night or 11 o'clock at night making whatever the production looks like for that day and processing fruit. And we start all over again. Um, So... Yeah, yeah, your kids had to adjust to that life. And... I think too, um, you know, I spoke a little bit earlier about prioritizing your day. When you're a mom and you're working, I will say the mental load that you are under is in some ways insurmountable, the amount of things that need to be done in a day. Laundry, oh my gosh. We because look at the laundry, we go crazy. We ignore the laundry, but the laundry <laughs> pile, we just walk, right. we just ignore it. <laughs> right. Because it, you're not just thinking, Here's what I need to do for my business today. Today for my business, I need to do a delivery. I need to pick up fruit. I need to, oh, I've got to order these jars. At the same time, if you're a mom, you're thinking, what am I going to feed the kids for dinner tonight? Do I have those things in my refrigerator? Oh, they need this permission form filled out. Oh, the doctor, they have a doctor's appointment. All these things are 
living in your brain at the same time. How many times have, has it been that the kids have been called sick and we've had to like trash our plans for the business? Yeah, because that's another thing. If your <laughs> child has a sick day, get it, and you're like, oh, I had X, Y, Z going on today. That's all gone. And then you have to pivot and say, okay, now let me look at the rest of my week. Where am I now yeah. going to move this into to fit this? And it, it's really... Um, Our children have actively said, thank you for making time for us. And I have looked back and I've said, no, 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 no. I will put the business secondary. I really will. But you come first. Like there's no like, I'm working so hard to make sure that you have a roof over your heads. Like that's not, that's not the name. No. Yeah, so, but it. has there been a way for, okay, to your point about the children will come first. I think you've told me though, there's a way that the children now are coming with. Right, so yeah. this, is a, this is wonderful <laughs> that, that you segue nice. into it. Because yeah. last night is a great example. Um, so we had the South Carolina Palmetto Palette uh, last night, it was an event, it's sure. a charity event um, that the South Carolina Farmers Bureau puts out. Um, and we didn't have help. So our, our teens came along, our 12 year old, my 13 year old. Um, they helped us and bid on items that we ended up paying for. <laughs> yeah. I'm not sure how much help they were, but they had a great night. But... Had a great, well, they came and yeah. they were a wonderful humans and they did help. They they came, they they put on button down shirts and, and we were, they talked to other people and we were proud moms and they kept telling us like, it was so like wonderful to see you guys do your thing. Like in a monkey see monkey do her mammals, you know, right. and the kids can see us actively doing something for our business. It's not just this illusion of like, I go to work and I come back and you don't see what I'm doing. You are seeing Jess and I put labels on. You're right. seeing Jess well, and I. It's in my dining room. <laughs> the labels well, on. Right, but now it. they're seeing us in an outside space. Right. They come to help us at events. Rand actually takes, you know, will sat, stand by the register in a market and, and take square payments, you know, and um, active, like the littles will actively talk about, my mom was in the state newspaper. Did y'all see her? Are y'all selling her jam? They're so like <laughs> snobby about it with other business owners, you know? Um, and, and they're doing practical things yeah. to help us too, like at home, um, they help us cut bubble wrap that yeah. we need. They're helping put stickers on jars that... Um, and they're understanding that doing chores is now becoming a vital part of us. They're getting older because mommy needs more time as we're well, scaling. Well, we talk about chores around the house as we all live here. It's a community. And because we all live here, we all take care of our home. Bade said to me, he goes, I vacuumed for you. I said, excuse me? You vacuumed for yourself so you could be in a clean space because that's your dog as far as I'm concerned and he makes a lot of mess. But last night we, we went out with them, we did this thing and um, they won like a pizza stone for us. It was fabulous. They like were bidding. I mean, I know it cost me money, but I was so proud of them for like going out there and meeting other people and eating yummy food. And then they come home and we're exhausted. This is 10 o'clock at night and both of us are looking at us and saying, so we're gonna play a word game now, right? Oh, so tired, <laughs> so tired from the entire day, knowing that there's an interview the next day. We said yes. We said yes, because I know that there's a finite amount of time with the children. And the point of this is to be able to have pockets of that special time separately with the kids where we can laugh and enjoy. And 15 minutes will go a long way for them, you know? So let's, let's, um, I appreciate y'all. This is a lot to, to share. And, and, and as people are listening to this, I think, I think a lot of our audience 
I hope they will find some of themselves in in this story. Um, but let's let's end it on this. Um, there's someone out there that's listening that was you or you three years ago or four years ago. Mm-hmm. What what's your message to them? I don't. Um, there's so many different. If they're wondering if they should start a business then I would really think long and hard about uh, be intentional in what you do. Um, our story is, and our story is one of like, we were making jam one day and we got big. A lot of people tell us like, this happened overnight and it didn't happen overnight. It really, my, my deep advice is to be intentional in the choices that you make for the growth of what you're thinking about. Make long-term plans with small-term goals and be intentional, have some discipline, grit, and um, and really do think about the financial aspect of what this is gonna bring for you. Mm-hmm. You know, that's something that I feel like a lot of people talk about their passion and, and their joy, but, but really think about um, the financial aspect of what it is that you're looking for in that space, because you are gonna be putting your time in. So what's your time valued at coming right back? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. I think mine, uh, this is going to be, again, Rach is very business-minded. I will put a little bit of, like, the more human side on it. Of, um, I think a lesson that I've learned in life is that without adversity, there's no growth. Um, so I think that sometimes we find ourselves in a hard space or a big change has happened. Um, and I would say to someone who's in that space, like, you are capable of more than you think you are. And that from the adversity that you're going through, that you don't know. I never thought that I would own a business. That was not on my bingo card. Um, (laughs) But to be able to stand on my own two feet and to have grown as a person the way I have and to now have a successful business and I can say, oh, I am capable of more than I thought was possible. And that I would never have been in this space if I hadn't gone through the adversity I've gone through. So, you know, no matter what you're going through, there is, you can grow and become more than you think that you can be. That's a good place to end. Um, Thank you all for for doing what you're doing, for for, um, starting something and for for making something that is worthwhile, that people enjoy and that you guys enjoy. Um, I can tell that, you know, when you enjoy your business and you're making a product, probably it's a good, stands the reason that other people are going to enjoy that too. So thank you for sitting down with us and telling the story. I I really appreciate it. Thank Thank you you. for having us. That was an honor to be here today. Thank Thank you. you.